Tonight, we welcome back one of our founding members, you know, the douchebag from Deutschland, Chris himself. Chris, how you doing tonight? Doing great, man. Glad to be back <laughs> in America where energy is plentiful and I don't have to worry how I'm going to hit my house this summer. Or this yeah, morning. exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it wouldn't be uh, the old guys getting back together if we didn't bring back that man that looks like he beat up a U-boat captain to steal his beard. Brett, how you doing tonight, Brett? I'm good. I like the U-boat captain thing. I'm digging it. Well, you know, we kind of kind of used the Gordon's fish uh, fish sticks guy uh, last time, so I had to think of some other nautical reference, you know, Captain Ahab, uh, one of those. But uh, it looks like it's going to be just us tonight, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to press and we're going to talk tonight um, about Aeronautica Imperialis. But before we talk about that dead, done, never-to-be-played-again game, uh, let's cover the upcoming schedule. So, Siege of Vicksburg. October 20th and the 21st. Uh, right now, we just went in and signed up to do a Blood Red Skies Jets event on Friday. So about Friday, 5 p.m., we'll fly Korea Jets. We will fly uh, Taiwan Straits. We'll also do uh, Indo-Pak. So plenty of different uh, jet goodnesses for us to have there for Blood Red Skies. Then most of us, sans Chris, uh, who breaks out in hives when he hangs out with historical war gamers, uh, on uh, November 3rd through the 5th, we will be at Lancaster, PA for Fall In for HMGS's winter event. What are we doing? I've got no idea. We'll figure it out. We're going to have fun. We're going to go uh, play some games, uh, beat up some grognards, and uh, drink some beer. Uh, after that, who knows what the events are. We'll be back at Depticon in the spring of 2024, but who knows what the events in between are going to be for us. All right. Well, let's talk about two other quick things. Steve is not here, so I can make fun of his JU-88. Actually, I'm not going to. It's a great model. Uh, so Blue Falcon Hobbies is about to have a JU-88 STL coming out, a JU-88A. Um, it will be a downloadable STL from Blue Falcon. We're going to have it in a physical print uh, at Lead Pursuit, and then we will, uh, you know, put all that out to the community here hopefully soon. Uh, I was kind of a dick, and I sent Steve back to the drawing board. No, it's really not all my fault. I wish he was here because he, he'd be honest about it. He'd say, yeah, man, did I need to redo these things? I'm like, yeah, go fix them now. I want to release this damn model. So uh, much to his credit, he jumped back in, worked on some of the panel lines, and it should be out. Uh, hopefully, by the time this episode drops, we should have it both in the STL store at, at Blue Falcon Hobbies and in the physical store at Lead Pursuit. The other big news is the Lancaster Bomber that Rockworks has out there. So if you're pissed that... Plane Printer did a Lancaster as an exclusive thing for flight deck decals. Well, stop being pissed and don't be a little bitch anymore and go buy it from Rockworks. 
Uh, we're also going to have an elite pursuit eventually trying to let uh, Rich and his guys over at, uh, at Rockworks have their exclusive time. Um, but it will eventually migrate across the pond. Uh, if any of you want to fly Lancasters over here, uh, if you bring them to our events, we will laugh you off the table and say, why don't you have a B-17 instead? Uh, but no, no, feel free to buy them, print them and have fun with them. All right. So that's enough historical bullshit for uh, for the evening. Let's talk about Space Marines and Space Marines airplanes. Because um, full disclosure, uh, for those of you listening to the podcast and not watching, the only thing that gets Chris excited anymore about the Lead Pursuit podcast is little Space Marine airplanes. Right, Chris? Yeah, dude, I am so in. And it, it, I got Aeronautica when I was in, I know, I got Aeronautica when I was in Germany because you guys were jumping on the train. And same reason I got into freaking Blood Red Skies, to be honest. But um, it, but it was, I got it and it was something nobody in Germany was playing. So it kind of got a couple models built and I was like, these are really cool. There will be no playing of the Aeronautica. It is not Dude, a game it, we play. We do the heresy. We even do the no, 40K, no, no. but there will be no Aeronautica. All they do is 40K, dude. It's 40K all the time, all the time. It's because Germans don't use deodorant. They fit in with the 40K crowd. (laughs) Very true. Very true. And they don't have air conditioning, so it gets a little nice. It gets even better. Mm. (laughs) Nice and swampy. (laughs) There's an image we didn't need. Well, so you obviously hopped on the Aeronautica bandwagon. We were playing. Uh, we were all fat and happy and having a good time. And Zenos were coming out. And poor Brett, the Mister Zenos himself, uh, was was there with all of his Eldar. And then freaking, we got the not even just the Nerf bat. We got the freaking discontinued bat from GW. Uh, so, Chris, you've got some GW insider friends. I'll turn it over to you to give a little bit of the postmortem on. How did we end up with three fucking starter sets released and a game two years later, three years later, just fucking dead? The rumor that that's around the traps and this is, you know, a couple other podcasts have covered it. RFI just did a a dive on it. It was great the other day. But it's basically what it comes down to is we ended up with Space Marines a long time ago because GW wanted to find a way to have two factions in a set that basically they only had to print one set of models for. And that's Weird. How we got Sounds a, like something they did in a, the 80s. Exactly. That's how we got a civil war and it has been fleshed out into black books and freaking an entire other community, an entire other system. But there's a lot of talk that that is kind of what's going on right now. And that's why one of the reasons why they're looking at Epic and they're saying, let's just go back to heresy. We've, which is amazing. I was, we were all really surprised that we're going to see the militia models and the, you know, the, the, you know, the non-transhuman models right off the bat right. with Epic. That was kind of a surprise, but that even makes sense too, because you can have loyalists and you can have traders that are right. humans. So, yeah. it, so it works yeah. both ways. But the problem with Xenos was, and I've heard this from two different people that are in GW, when they threw Aeronautica out there, it honestly was, are people going to buy 40k races other than space marines in another format of a game and the fact of the matter well, is especially in they? england it was it was really lukewarm um the Thanks, release was england. lukewarm everything again, was you lukewarm. it up for the rest of us yeah nice work yeah. nice work england yeah. and we were talking even connor mentioned the other day it was the, uh, basically america that was keeping ai going and everybody yeah. was buying it and they kind of just kind of kept yeah i bought it. one of each starter set thanks thanks england mm-hmm. 
And then they started shifting more and more models over to Forge Worlds. They could do smaller runs because they didn't want to do the plastic dies. And it was kind of when, when you had Titanicus come out and then had Aeronautica come out, I think the proof in the whole pudding was the fact that they were the same damn scale. So yeah, everything yeah. had been sized up to be the same. So it was like everybody kind of knew. We've all known it was the worst kept secret in GW that in the last three years that Epic was in the offing. Right. And it, it was I'll, coming. The yeah. question is, what would it, it look coming. like? Would it would it be exactly. the the late Epic um, train wreck? Would it be the early Epic super constrained? Would it, you know what what form of fashion was it going to take? Yeah, absolutely. And then that's where, that's where we are today. We're, we're going to get epic. We're going to get all these things. And everybody's like, oh, you know, Xenos will come. And they might. I mean, GW has proven, if nothing, if it makes money, it will come. If it right. doesn't yeah. make money, it'll be just like a lot of their other stuff that just gets less and less support and then shelved. And yeah. it, But it, it always comes back around. And that's what I'm, well, you know, with it. We'll get back to that. We'll talk about the life cycle of GW Specialist yeah. Game because uh, if we talk politics, I always remind people that, that Americans especially have a very short freaking memory and an event horizon. Uh, and with games, I swear gamers are just as bad about game history and and what companies do. And they literally, within the span of six months, forget 30 years of game history and, and how things have been rolled out. So, but we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. I, I kind of want to circle back to the fact that Legion Imperialis is coming out or whatever we're calling LI, the, the new Epic. Um, but is it replacing AI? What do we know? What do we know about how airplanes are going to behave in quote, the new Epic, which is really the old Epic just revisited and with new Chrome on top of it. Never mind. I won't. That's a, that's a separate discussion. I mean, we've seen rumors and we haven't seen anything hard. We're starting to see a lot of the ground units that are getting fleshed out. We're actually seeing cards for Titans and we're seeing rule sets for Titans. We've seen rules for several, like almost all the militia armor, the rules are out. Some of the space Marine rules are out, but we've seen notes about how people think air is going to perform. And a lot of people think it's going to be like Epic where it's basically going to fly on the board, does what it does and fly off the board in, in a game term right. with alternating activations. And quite honestly, with a game, this scale of Epic, I don't have an issue with that. I mean, I know it's going to, it's the Epic, uh, their AI crowd is going to go, but I want to have a dog fight over this huge battle. And it's going to be the same thing that the Titanic guy is going to get pissed about. It's like, well, I want to do oh, reactor yeah. management and I, I want to do, well, I want to exactly. move my shields around and, and I want to count how many Legos I've got running around the knee of my Titan. And, and so that was exactly <laughs> going to be my point because, yeah. you know, the AT is an amazing game and it's got a super level of detail that you absolutely cannot do in LI, in Epic. And so you're going to, you're going to lose some of that flavor, just like you're losing some of the AI flavor. Because guess what? The aircraft are not the focus of the game. They're part of the kit in your kit bag that you pull out and go, I need an airplane. I need an air unit. I need it to do something. Um, and so I go back to how Thunderhawks and and some of the aircraft used to be, and like uh, the uh, uh, squat gyrocopters and all those things used to be in um, in Epic and they were much less focused units. They weren't the, the point of your army, but they fit a specific niche that you're like, all right, I've got a gyrocopter because I need to move around and get across the board with something that's got a little bit of firepower, but mostly can go find things and pin it down for my indirect fire. Um, or you had Thunderhawks because you're like, I'm tired of walking across the effing board. 
I'd like to actually pick up those four stands or six. I forget how many it was um, and go move them across the board and drop them right on top of the bad guys uh, and not die doing it. So I think I think we're going to see some of that in there. And, and I'm curious. I'll be honest. I hope it's not a, just a one turn show up, fly away, kind of like Flames of War is. That's a fucking terrible model for <laughs> for some of these things. But I get it. If you have a if you have a, a bomber, a marauder bomber, something that's that's dropping bombs, doing a ground attack, that kind of makes sense. But I want to be able to leapfrog with transports, you know, have a, you know, aircraft go pick up some dudes, throw them across the way and and go and in the enemy's uh, deployment zone. Yes, Brett, you had a question. So with LI, you know, it's it's uh, Space Marines versus Space Marines, presumably. Yeah. Uh, I could still – so I don't have Space Marine aircraft because you a-holes all claim those, right? (laughs) Yes, we do. I I want – Thunderhawks. Uh, anyway, if uh, no Thunderhawk for you, one year. It's still available, right? All the all the aeronautical imperialis stuff for Space no. Marines is still around. So oh. that's a good point. It's not on the shelves right now. Now oh, I thought it was just Xenos we that went away. Huh? Well, do we know what's happening? They're obviously going to rebox it. They're they're going to. I don't even think they're going to do a whole lot more than. And and we'll see what they actually do. I hope they leave the old AI bases in there and just are chucking epic bases in there. Knowing GW, what's probably going to happen is. The AI bases are going to go get shit canned and melt down for plastic, and we'll have uh, only uh, epic bases. But but they're reboxing them because they're going to pitch it as aircraft for epic. Um, there's been some discussion and some rumors that you will s- still have aeronautica bases available, and that the pins are going to be the same. I think we've looked at the images; they seem to be the same. That would be super cool um, as to the, the question of whether you glue your pins in or you don't. It really doesn't matter. But the fact is you can now move your pins and your aircraft back and forth between bases. Um, Man, getting I a think bunch of we, bases would be key. Yeah, I'm short and, of bases, yeah. Well, and I was going to – well, you're the only fucking person that's short of bases in this game. Yeah, because I'm the only one that has, that has <laughs> pointy-ear alien guys and uh, half the shit I have has to be – Has to be 3D printed. Yeah. 3D printed now, yeah. Well, I, and I laugh because we had this discussion, Chris, when we were at the at the paint and uh, play aeronautica event. You know, there's a point where you just end up with so many bases because you buy so much shit, and you're only going to field four, six, maybe eight airplanes, depending on what your what your faction is. And there's a point where you're like, God, I've got like thirty fucking bases. Uh, so uh, it's a good place to be, I guess. I kind of have the same problem with blood red skies behind me. I have all these bases. Thank goodness, so I can put my pretty little airplanes on them. Uh, but but we'll see what happens there because I, I kind of hope GW sells uh, just an AI pack because we know they're going to keep the rules around a little bit. We know that they, they've said the heresy book is probably going to come back out. They're going to do another print run of that. So I, I, I'm hoping that maybe AI bases will be a, a bag you can buy with like six bases or whatever at a vastly increased price. Um, but, you know, it. Worst case, there's people already out there that have 3D printable ones. So let's be honest. It's not it's not like you cannot get an aeronautica base with dials or with dice or however you want to to do those things. So yeah, when you but, say 3D printable, that 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 kind of transitions me to one of the things that I wanted to talk about. You were talking about life cycle of games. Yep. And us having a short memory. There's something revolutionary that's happened in the last couple of years that didn't exist before, though. We we have seen we have seen the Necromunda community. We have seen Battlefleet Gothic and those games stay around and hang around until they got their relaunch and they didn't go away. And that's going to be even more persistent now because we have printers. 
Well, AI and I wish, I'm glad you said not going anywhere. Even, well, well, hold that thought. But I'm I'm glad you said even more persistent because what people forget was what kept Epic alive was dudes in Poland casting metal little freaking six mil infantry in some vehicles that look like knockoff of Lehman Rust tanks. <laughs> That's what kept Epic alive. Um, dudes all over the world. I, I pick Poland because some of the, the largest well-known ones are there because they can give the finger to the uh, IP of, of GW and get away with it there. Um, but the, the, problem with that is there were very specific lines you didn't have a whole lot of choice the good thing is now with 3d printers and 3d modelers you don't like the space marine model that some, your buddy down the street has that's fine go see what some different artist has done and see what people are gonna are gonna create to keep the games alive because we'll talk about it here in a little bit with what the community wants to do you get to see that reflected in special rules special 3d models new scenarios so i think there's a there's a lot of change that goes on because we have the 3d printers that you might not have seen when it's just some dudes in a warehouse releasing metal miniatures um for for a game that is ostensibly not being played um played by gw uh anymore well let's Let's talk a little bit about what no future support means, because that's that's a minefield. And that's one of the things where so much nerd rage has been devoted to it that it's just, ah, oh, it's tiring. If I hear this game is unsupported, I'm looking at my wall of unsupported games. Air War by SPI, Fox Bat and Phantom by SPI. Uh, let's see, Tack Air by Avalon Hill, Squad Leader by Avalon Hill, um, Third Reich by Avalon Hill. Uh, <laughs> those games are all unsupported. There's nothing more coming out for them. And yet we continue to play them. And they have the same forces and the same same factions. Uh, Arab-Israeli Wars, there's a great unsupported one. Uh, guess what? You can still do all kinds of cool stuff for that game outside of just the scenarios that they gave you. So, I mean, they're, they're, right now we have heresy 1.0 communities that are popping up all over the place yep where guys yep. are just i mean you got the I'm brand new rule set for heresy. heresy rules I'm I like heresy. and you know what there's nothing stopping you it had Congrats. everything you needed in it enjoy have at it and yeah. that's happened with that happened with necromunda before it got its relaunch battlefleet gothic is still hanging out there we don't know when that's going to come more it's time come eventually. more time it, at high ground hobbies in huntsville alabama they have a not just a mordheim game they have a fucking mordheim league they have enough players to have a league. So that tells me that the life cycle of these games and when it be, things become no longer supported, nobody cares. You're going to do your own thing. And and some people are going to play super constrained rule sets that if it wasn't in the rules and the original rules, we're not going to do it. Other people are going to tweak it and play with it um, as we've taken to calling them shadesified rules uh, there at High Ground Hobbies. Guys are going to go in and they're going to they're tweak the rules and do what they want. But the fact is... Who the fuck cares if it's unsupported? It's your game. I, I bought it. I can do what I want. If I want to paint my Space Marines sky blue, they can be sky blue. My Eldar can be purple. I don't care. It's my game. Um, so, yeah. I thought all, all the Eldar the, were purple. Okay. Well, no, right? those are all the Emperor's children, Eldar friends, and sex toys. Sorry. <laughs> I know you're all excited about the Fulgrim model. We're going to talk about that later, not right now. So, so Chris, keep your pants on now that there's a Fulgrim model. <laughs> how many guardsmen could he handle at once? Wait, not that way. I mean, like like fight. How many, how many guardsmen could he fight at once? Uh, okay. Anyway, back to the point. So, so unsupported games, I think we have to take it with a grain of salt because people are making a literal 
mountain out of a molehill on that. Who cares? There, all the data for the game's out there. All the cards are out on the internet. All the rules are out on the scenarios are out on the internet. Everything's out there somewhere. I mean, for crying out loud, Rogue Trader has been unsupported, and yet I still have the rule book over there, and there's people that play Rogue Trader. And they, they enjoy the old, original 40K Rogue Trader skirmish-level game with bizarre weapons and things that got nerfed and retconned like robots and other shit like that. So, um, yeah. Make of it what you will. I'll go further to say that I give it 12 months before somebody has a version of Epic that's based on this new rule set that incorporates half of AT and half of AI into it. Yeah. Into a well, frog guard level calculus game of everything that's, you can imagine. In a that's game. the good and the bad. So, so hold that thought because that to me comes under something we're going to talk about, about all the stuff that kind of gets dumped on a, on a community that when you, when you start generating, when a, when a game becomes unsupported and people start generating stuff, there's, there's this desire to make it better. And sometimes that turns out well, sometimes it, gets super grognardy. Um, I, I think we'll have to see uh, how that, that really rolls. Uh, but the, the one thing I wanted to kind of talk about is because Brett's our Xenos player that's, that's here right now. You know, what does the, the loss of quote Xenos support? Let's, let's say tomorrow, all the space Marine models come back out and all the space Marine models have Epic and Aeronautica bases in the kit. So space Marines wake up and they're like, I can do exactly what I did yesterday. I can keep playing Aeronautica. Uh, what does it mean for the Xenos? What, what does a Xenos player do in this kind of a world? Besides cry. Brett, what are you doing these days? Well, crying, I could crying play in your with beer. the same the same models I had before, except I guess I could... I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that's 3D printable now that I don't have. Yeah, I mean... The there's line other models I don't really... have I couldn't get. Hell, I stood yeah. in line at Adepticon to get one of those big bombers and they didn't have any. Yeah, because why Why would you bring that Forge World bomber that had just been released to Adepticon? <sighs> GW, I love you sometimes. Not really. Um, but yeah, I mean, you all, you've got your miniatures. And in some places in the U.S. and around the world, they're still on the shelf. I mean, we've even seen here in Huntsville that one of our game stores, they just didn't move. They're sitting there next to the, the clearance shelf and people haven't bought them up, uh, even to be resellers. Because at the same time, we're seeing ludicrous fucking prices. Chris, what were you seeing for for Vulture gunships on eBay? They got four of them the other night. I saw got to one hundred and eighty nine dollars. I think was a final sniper bid that came in at the last yeah. minute. I, I that, quit at forty. I was yeah, just yeah no, yeah that's just fucking crazy. I can, and three D I can go three D print them, and that's going to be fine. I don't. I mean, I have some of. The, I have actually two of the Forge World, or maybe I have four of the Forge World. I have a bunch of the Forge World ones sitting right over there next to um, my custodies ships that I haven't put together. That I'll get to them, but the fact is I'm not going to pay some exorbitant fee. If I didn't have them now, I'd just go 3D print them. I, the one I painted at the paint and play that we'll talk about here in a bit, um, that was a 3D print, and I think it's perfectly playable. I mean, does it does it have the detail of Forge World? No. Does it have the detail of some of the plastics? No. But who cares? At... The, the levels we're playing, you, it's all in how you paint it. It's not actually in the, the physical detail of the model. So I think for the Xenos players, yeah, you're going to rely on 3D printing. So uh, if you are a gamer and you don't have a 3D printing friend, you're a loser and you live in your mom's basement and don't talk to anybody because pretty much all of them have 3D printing friends. <laughs> so find your, your friend that prints bolt action vehicles and uh, make them print little Xenos fighters for you. 
because they're all out there on the on the interwebs. So. All right. So is that beating up the Xenos thing enough? Do we think I, I don't think Xenos are dead. I think it's going to keep being big in the community. Uh, people were painting up tons of Xenos the other night. Ooh, look there. Ooh, is it a hemlock? I can't tell. Pretty, pretty. Yeah, I think it's a hemlock. I always get the freaking Eldar fighters confused. Yeah, so yeah, him I think Eldar was the most one. popular fighter at the paint and take the other night. It, it was, which was what was so funny. Was um, I was actually kind of concerned. I'm like, well, I really kind of would like to do some more Imperial Guard, guard uh, vultures. Uh, and yeah, the, the Eldar was the most popular. And there were some great paint jobs. I mean, there were some super creative paint jobs out there. Uh, so like everything else in the hobby and game community, go f- source the models, paint them, play even if you put them on a standard epic base and put two dice on the bottom of it for your speed and your altitude, you know, the, all these things can be done. Uh, there's, there's nothing that's going to keep you from playing the game. I think that the nerd rage is, is overstated in case I haven't said that enough. All right. So let's see what's, what are the other concerns? Well, this is always a GW one. Cause they always do this to us. I can't get my books anymore. I don't have any cards that I can buy. What am I going to do? I can't play the game. And, and I get it. I was fortunate enough to pick up cards all the time and pick up all three of the books, even after I lost one of them at Depticon. Um, but, you know, so what? What, what? What's your answer, guys, when, when people tell you, but I can't get the books, I can't get the cards? Well, the cards aren't required. I mean, the yeah. cards are uh, nice to have that sit on the side of the table and have all your stats on them. And I saw two sites today when I was just kind of digging around that have every stat you can imagine for everything AI. So it's all out there. Somebody's put it in a table and you can go download it and you've got everything you need to play the game. Little Google so, food, right? Yeah, a little yeah. Google food. It's out there. And there's a lot of people that have put their rendition of the cards out there. I mean, there's people who also copied the cards and put those out there. Um, so the data's out there. So I get it. You can't just have the super convenient go buy a box and have the cards right there already pre-cut and everything for you. You have to do a little arts and crafts. Um, but a lot of the factions were that way anyway. I mean, there wasn't a box for Necrods. There was no box of cards for them, so you had to print out those cards. A lot of the Eldar stuff that was the late releases in the compendium, that you had to print out the cards for. So just go do a little arts and crafts like the rest of us are used to doing, uh, and it's not a big deal. I, th- I think it's it's kind of like the argument of, Man, I really wanted to go back to the grocery store and just buy skinless, boneless chicken breasts. I don't want to have to cut up a whole chicken. Dude, it's chicken, bro. For thousands of years, people have been cutting up a chicken. If there's no boneless, skinless breasts, when you want to go cook something, go buy a whole chicken and cut it up like people have done for thousands of years. It's funny. It kind of reminds me, and you have a better perspective on this, like how many games are truly like this. But you remember when Gavin and I went to that local gaming convention thing here and we did a demo game of Gaslands. Yeah. I mean, Gaslands, there's a book and that's it. And then yeah. you source your own stuff, like scratch build terrain, beat up some matchbox cars, Yep. draw a mat. I mean, the stuff people come up with is pretty awesome. And, and there are some, some, I don't know, like Etsy stuff and some things you could find online where somebody's making tokens and other, you know, special dice and all that. But a lot of it is, you kind of make it yourself. And I think it's kind of one of the things that's a little uh, part of the joy of that game specifically. And I think aren't, aren't a lot of games like that where you just get out there and get it done. 
Okay, so so you're picking the old guy scab on this one because that's how Rogue Trader 40K used to be, where you had a handful of plastic miniatures, uh, a bunch of metal miniatures, but everything was scratch built. The fucking grav tank was a deodorant stick for crying out loud with a spoon on top and like a, a piece of, you know, tubing for the cannon. Uh, a, so- green, a green wool blanket with books put under it to simulate hills. I mean, how many of us played on that? Exactly. So it's funny that a lot of games start that way, that they're games of the mind and the imagination. But to GW's credit and their disservice, they have released so much high quality stuff in the last few years, probably I'd say in the last five years. And they have mandated that you will use their stuff when you're playing in their tournaments and in their events, et cetera, et cetera, that there's a belief that somehow scratch building is sinful. (laughs) <laughs> and yet I, I laugh because at, at the same time all these are the same dudes that want to go print off 12 fdm bright green custodies tanks and take those to a tournament and i'm like you're the same motherfuckers that are crying because a game is is discontinued and you're not willing to just keep playing with what you have or print a few more i'm like it literally makes no sense, but I but I think it's a problem that GW has made because they've made there's a there's a sanctity of GW figures, and if it's not GW figures, it's somehow unholy and terrible, and you shouldn't be playing with it. Um, I I'll continue my diatribe and say I remember when I got back into 40k and I started scratch building as much as I did in the 90s with Rogue Trader, and one of the guys I played with is like, hey, is that 30 percent GW bits? I'm like, no, it's not. It's like a million different companies I source stuff from. It's like, well, that you couldn't play that in a tournament. I'm like, I don't care. I'm not playing a tournament. I'm playing at your house out on the back patio. I'm like, this is literally not a tournament, but why is that even a thing for you? So I think GW players have, have kind of gotten this world where if it's not the official thing, that it's, it's crap. <laughs> it's not GW, it's crap. <laughs> so diatribe over, rant complete. It's the truth. I mean, we... GW gamers, and I'm in the heresy community, and it's always been my favorite community. And I can tell you, it is an elitist, stuck up community in some respects. And there's nothing wrong with that. There, The level of hobby that is expected in that community is just, it's a little bit higher. And that kind of goes to the game you're playing. And it, it people do want you to put a well-painted, gorgeous army on the board. They want gorgeous terrain. If they're going to invest all... We're not talking 40K where I go out and buy a Leviathan box and I can go play freaking 40K. No, I'm talking about a game where I'm investing twelve to $1,400 into freaking resin models and crap. That's, and that's like and what time. a 500-point army there. That Let's be exactly. honest. So the, it's always it, – it always, Heresy's always cultivated a different category of gamer because of the expense. Because it was so much resin in its early days, it took a different – category of income to be able to play that game at a high points value and as a result it brought a different kind of gamer now i'm not one to say that i'm in favor of gamer elitism i'm not in favor of sculpting the the price point of your game to bring a different type of individual to the game not at all but when you do have a high price point you have people that actually care about their models they care about their terrain they they care about all those things to a point that is a little bit cultish, <laughs> but the fact is they've invested so much time and money that they want everyone they play with to have done the same. Um, I'm like the opposite of the spectrum. I'm, dude, I'm a hex and counter thing guy. I, I used to play with little pieces of paper. 
I'm like, whatever, dude. Uh, if it's primed, yeah, cool. If it's not even paying, whatever. I I just want to push little airplanes around and blow yours off the board. Questions? Um, that goes for you too, Connor. So if you're listening, Connor, I don't care if you paint the rest of your cheating, gravity-defying Necrons. Uh, I'm still going to kill you next Monday. So anyway. All right. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the support. I yeah, Like Brett said, take a look at other communities. We've seen it in the Blood Red Skies community. When cards and, and things weren't available, people printed off their, made their own art, made their own cards. Um, all the data is out there. So if you find yourself card challenged, uh, either improve your Google Foo or find a friend who's a graphic designer and put it all on a card or write it on a piece of paper. It's weird. Like we used to do with army lists before Battlescribe. All right. Um, one I do want to weigh in on is unusual aircraft because they never fleshed out the full aeronautica of old in the current AI. There were a lot of models that did not come back. And there were a lot of models that had come out after aeronautica that didn't get put in. Uh, so I think there's an interesting point also that players need to realize there's a lot of 40K lore that is not represented in this game. And that's a great opportunity. That's an opportunity for people to make up stats, come up with a model that's 3D printed or otherwise, uh, and play these things and enjoy doing some cool stuff with your buddies, but not be tied to, oh my God, I can't play a, um, a specific fighter or I can't play a specific transport because it's not in the game yet. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't by the time they shut it down. Make up some rules, man. Make up some stats. Almost all the weapons you'd need are already in the game. So copy some stats, jumble it all together, and come up with what you need. All right. One of the other comments we'd written down and, and thought about was, uh, does AI have the legs to continue as a as a dead specialist game? Kind of like Dead Presidents, Dead Specialists. Uh, dead Specialist game like Battlefleet Gothic and Epic. I don't know. What are your thoughts? What kept those games going? Why, why didn't they just die on the vine and people stop playing little Gothic-looking ships running around ramming each other? I, I think it definitely has legs and it has legs because from what I've seen of it, and I've only been playing since I've been back, which has been two months of every Monday night, which has been glorious to be quite honest. It's a fun game. Once you get the core rules down, there's just nothing here that's hard. It's blood rid skies ish in the fact that it's, it's a beer and pretzels, easy to pick up game. It yep. takes you three or four games of getting your crap pushed in till you freaking figure it out. And then once you figure out when you need to snap turn and when you need to stoop, freaking it just starts to come and it, it it makes sense. And things when you start throwing like we played the trench mission and that that was the most fun I've had gaming in freaking years. It was it was literally like you could almost hear the Star Wars music and them going down the trench to attack the <laughs> Death Star. And we weren't even attacking a space. It was just some canyon somewhere. But, you know, I got orc fighters flying in on me and I'm trying to get to the freaking end to blow up the freaking hangar that's the bottom of the trench. And it just it was epic. It was theater of the mind. It's got everything it needs to have. And I think the thing that has sucked me back in very quickly with it is the ability to tailor so many different things out of these 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 miniatures. I mean, yeah. you can come up with your own militia freaking mercenary squadron from X planet with X paint job or this different Tau freaking force that shows up that's got this set of markings. And there's there's so much leeway and latitude because the rule simples the rule set's simple. And I do enjoy sci-fi stuff a little bit more than historicals for the reason that it's it's so sandbox. And this game is is just that. It's so sandbox. I can 
if I want to come up with, I'm, I'm working, I got some French dice from, from, I think it was Flames of War the other day. I just happened to be in the gaming store with my wife and I see these blue chicken dice up there. And I was like, okay, those have to go home because I love anything French. And you call them chicken dice. They I are. I call them your square cocks. And you know what? You're you're going to have to face the war cocks, which is going to be my <laughs> militia unit that Steve's going to be doing decals for, for oh. freaking a set of Thunderbolt Marauders. I mean, it's it's coming. So um, just so I can roll those dice and do a big bugok every time a freaking yeah. <laughs> chicken symbol comes up. But um, but yeah, it's it's I think it does have legs. And and I say that in that social media we have seen has revolutionized the life cycle of these games in a way that didn't exist when these games were there 30 years ago. Even you were saying that something dies and people keep it alive. It's even gone farther than that. Right now in Heresy 2.0, we have a group of people called Panoptica that have released four different equivalents of, of, I would say they're as thick and as well-written as Forge World books that cover Xenos races, that cover all of the name characters that have been left out of 2.0 so far. It, right. it, they add in rights of war that people have talked about in the Harris community for years. And all this has happened in the span of 14 months. It right. is crazy how much stuff, just how much paper has been generated around this one system. And that's why I think things like AI, things like Battlefleet Gothic, it, Battlefleet Gothic's coming. It's it's two years out. Everything just got shifted back in the timeline because of COVID with GW. But it, it will come. But it, I don't think these games go anywhere. I don't think AT right. goes anywhere. I think it, it sticks well, around forever and, and people add on to it and people house rule it and there'll be groups playing it and there'll be, there, there are 10-year-old kids right now that will be playing AI when they're 20, whether or not I GW think the, supports it. the example it is, is that AI stuck around so long after it was killed the last time that people still had unpainted models for AI that they're like, hey, I need to put these on bases and put this into the new AI. So there, it's, are, there are AI models from original AI still trading on eBay today. Yeah, yeah. Still yeah. trading on eBay today, and people are paying top dollar for them because they're hard out-of-print stuff to find. Well, it, it, it was no different for Titanicus, the original Titans that had the void shield dial on the number or on the bottom. You know, those were for years hard to find because even though they were in plastic and there were a ton of them out there, they were kind of the gold standard. You'd get one of those warlord Titans with all the metal greebly bits that you could put on there. Um, and people who were still playing Epic wanted to play that as the Titan because what they remembered from playing Titanicus so long ago, even when the the fancy newer, larger uh, Titans came out. So I, I think the game, I, I think it has legs in the sense that it will survive. I think the difficulty is for some reason, aviation games are just a subset of a subset of a subset and it's a sci-fi aviation game. So it's going to have a smaller group, just like, um, you know, world war two aviation games have a smaller group than all the people who play bolt action. So it's going to require, I think the community to pull together in some ways, but I also think that, there's enough people that that enjoy those kind of games that it's it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I'm going to switch the order of some things we were going to talk about. We we're going to talk a, a little bit about, um, you know, specialist games and and what we're going to do at uh, uh, at Adepticon. But I really want to kind of tell the story of the paint and play or paint and take party or whatever we want to call it that High Ground Hobbies here in Madison, uh, out on the west side of Huntsville, did. Uh, Chris, what was your perspective on that event this last uh, Monday uh, where everybody had a choice of 
what aircraft, what aircraft Xenos or Imperial uh, you could paint. Uh, and if you wanted to pick up a game and play, what, how did it seem to you? Anybody who says that AI is dying needs to know that High Ground Hobby, a hobby store in the middle of Huntsville, did a paint night for a game that is niche and obscure and sci-fi. And they had 60 seats, and I think they sold 54. Yeah, 54, there's like 54, 55. They only had seats. a couple. This is in LA. This isn't Montreal. This is yeah. Huntsville, Alabama. And, and they and it's almost, Madison, so they're in BFE yeah. on the far side. They're, and it wasn't a weekend. smell the cows from there. Yeah, it was a Monday it's night. It's a Monday night, and it was packed. It, and and I think there was more, every, all the talk of Xenos going away, Xenos dead, uh, there was more Xeno stuff flying out of there than anything else. Yeah. I saw yeah. more Necrons, more Eldar, and more Orcs being painted. It, there was a small clique of us that were over there painting. You, know, you guys were painting some, um, some um, what were they, the Vultures. Yeah, and, Vulture and everybody sure. else was was painting Eldar, it, 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 a lot of Eldar. And so I, I just don't think it goes anywhere. I think the community, especially here in Huntsville, I definitely know it's here to stay. Well, but, we got like five more people to come out and play. And, oh, yeah. And – you know, even even if some of them were playing what I'll call competing games, because maybe they come out to high ground because they play BattleTech. Actually, and some of the miniatures painters actually come out there and play Magic. So, you know, it's it there's there's people that come out to high ground for a lot of different reasons uh, that end up in the paint and or in the paint and take kind of nights. And we had five or six of them, so ten percent, let's say, um, of the people that showed up came over and played a round of the game and Connor did a great job. I, I owe Connor a huge debt for that because as we were all yucking it up, painting and talking and, and talking with some, some other people, some paint techniques, um, he was over there doing, doing the grunt work of playing through individual games and getting people started in the rules. Uh, and, and I think it was a good thing. Everybody who, who really wanted to, with the exception of, of one or two people at the very end as the, the night was winding down, had a chance to play. Uh, so I, I think it was a, a good opportunity for people to do what they like to do, which is modeling, to figure out there's a gaming outlet to this specific style of models uh, and to kind of get some face time to figure out who are the people that play in the area. Because that's that's always the tough thing. If it's a if it's a specialist, small niche game, then finding those people is always difficult, even if you're in a Discord server, even if you're on Facebook in a in a group with them. It's it's hard to find them and link up and until you put a face with a name and you go, oh, that's Connor. I know he's here every Monday. That's you know, Doug. That's Chris. They're here every Monday. Um, the joke I tell is that we we actually kind of collateral damage wise got got a player because um, one of the young ladies that came over and played her dad plays BattleTech on Mondays, and so that's always always the competing game is BattleTech or is Aeronautica? Who's going to get the, to the tables first? Uh, and so we're laughing. So we're like, yeah, she could absolutely say, Dad, I need a ride. You know, <laughs> come over and play Aeronautica while Dad's playing. Uh, playing Battletech because those two communities we've kind of fed off each other because we're both you know working on Monday nights we try to be honest brokers and not take too many tables and leave for the for the other uh, teams to play but yeah so for a dead game we, we drug in five six new players yeah certainly not dead by by my estimation you think, right, so, I think the hobby aspect's a pretty good draw because I think you touched on this Chris you know you're getting what four four to six planes and you can kind of do whatever you want with it because it's not like you have to have this uh uniform army of you know a thousand different models you know you're looking at like six little airplanes go crazy well the thing that i like that chris was laughing at me when i was doing my camouflage pattern is is this a chance to try stuff that you never wanted to do on like a full-size valkyrie or full-size model 
that you can go, you know what, I'm just going to experiment with these three colors and some patterns that I have bouncing around my head and see how it looks. And you're, you're also working on a small one, two hundredth ish scale model. Um, so you, you've got an ability to, to be able to kind of cover some mistakes that would be obvious in a larger model, but experiment with some techniques as well. So I think there's a draw there. And I, and I think if I was to be perfectly honest about it, I think a key part of keeping Aeronautica alive is just getting people to paint the miniatures, just getting people to try painting small little airplanes and say, yeah, do, do all the stuff that you see on those big full size 40K and heresy airplanes. Just do it on something small and try it. See if the techniques work out. All right. Well, so let's talk a little bit um, about the just the cycle of specialist games. We, we alluded to it, uh, but I want to kind of anchor on it for a second. There's a production cycle for GW, and you got to remember it. And if stuff is not in production, it's because they don't want it to take up warehouse space. Doesn't mean it's not coming back. Doesn't mean the molds aren't going to be reused. Doesn't mean things aren't going to be reissued. But there's a two to three year cycle that you see between an idea comes up and it gets fleshed out into something that is produced, boxed, and able to put uh, on the table. That's not even counting playtesting time. I mean, that's that's just the, I have drawn a model, we have sent it to the production guys, they've made a plastic uh, or a mold for plastic, and they've poured it and, and printed off 10,000 of them. So I will, I will be the one to make the prediction, and I could be dead wrong. But seeing the history of Epic previously, and how Epic started as Titanicus, then went over to be Space Marine, then went over to finally be uh, Titan Legions and Epic, where you got all the other Xenos armies in there. I think there's only going to be about a two, maybe three year lag before we see some of these armies come back. And that's if LI, if Epic does well. So if Space Marine on Space Marine, you know, and, and you know, human forces on human forces, transhumans on transhumans does well, then I think you will see that open up the potential for three years from now there to be an opportunity for all the Xenos to come into the eight millimeter scale, which means all the aircraft will come back. They're, they're not take as, as I've said before on the podcast, they're not taking those molds and chucking them in the North sea. Uh, they're just not printing any more of them. and They're not keeping them in the warehouse. So the, the, the molds are still there. They have the ability to go back and, and do large print runs of them if they need to, they're just not going to right now. So my prediction is they'll all be back. They'll be back when we have, Tau and orcs and all those people in eight millimeter. Um, and then, then the real food fight is going to be, how long can they keep that whole print line going with when 3d printing is advanced in another three to five years? Um, can they, can they print plastic and, and stay in business doing that? We'll see. I, I don't know what the future of 3d printing holds, but anyway. All right. So let's talk a little bit about our events. Uh, Brett, do you guys have fun uh, playing aeronautica <laughs> at Adepticon? Yeah, I did. Uh, I got one solid game in at at Adepticon, and I had a blast. I, yeah, I need I to get Steve a lot more reps to, in, but yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, Steve got to play the Sky Fortress, which I got to do last week uh, at our game, and that was fun to be the vindictive Sky Fortress, randomly shooting people. Uh, you got to play one regular game. Uh, Chris and I are kind of in the uh, AI Renaissance down here, getting to play every Monday and logging one, maybe two games. Uh, I'm and so the jealous. good thing is, well, yeah, exactly. I, I. I laugh. We were talking about this, this, uh, not this week, but previous week. Uh, just the fact that it's so nice to be able to go in and play the game and, and pick up and choose whatever scenario you want, do whatever you want and not feel like you're tied to a tournament. You're not tied to a specific series of events. 
Um, but what it's been is we got to try a lot of things. We got to try a lot of the different rules, things like landing zones, uh, the, the trench run that, that uh, Chris was talking about. So it's given us, specifically me, I guess, as the scenario organizer, the event organizer, a, a chance to refine all the scenarios. So we will do an aeronautic event. It will be a full 40K aeronautic event, not just constrained to heresy, full 40K. Um, we haven't yet figured out if people want to play heresy, how we're going to fit that in. Um, because it's a little weird when you match some of the heresy forces against Xenos. Some more games and I'll figure it out. Um, but we would like people to be able to play what they want to play. If you want to play a Emperor's Children you know, uh, you know, Marine force, you can do that. Um, we just got to figure out how to either build two, two sets of game tables or, or some tables that are heresy only or figure it out as people register. We'll work through that. Um, that's doable, but more importantly, I think what Chris and I have learned is the same lesson that Dave Powell's put into his heresy game last year, which was allow people to tweak stuff between events. Don't, don't tie them to like a tournament style list where you field the same force over and over, have them write a 250 point list. And then when you come to the game, it says, okay, you've got 150 points. So then you can neck down and you can choose what part of your force you want to use. And certain things can be swapped out. Like external weapons can be swapped out. You have to keep the same, you know, infrared targeting or ceramide armor, all those kind of things you've got to keep, but you can switch out some of the weapons and that gives you some flexibility um, and some chances to, to try some new things as you're playing. Cause we've, we found the last two years, some people just don't know their army as well as, as other people do. And so they kind of pigeonhole themselves with a list and then they realize their list is not an all comers list. Uh, and so, so that gets a little frustrating. We don't want people to have that frustration. It's a narrative, fun, um, fun to play game. I don't think we've ever enforced, you know, list sanctions on anyone. We're not going to, um, but we want people to, to be able to play, change up your forces, have some fun, do something narrative and really enjoy the game. So we'll do it. Uh, it will still yet to be seen whether it is Saturday, uh, evening, or if it's going to be Sunday morning, who knows one of those two times, I still would like to do it Saturday evening. It's always a big draw. It will be at the Hyatt this year. So if you're an Adepticon faithful, um, you saw how the buses and everything worked last year. Transition between the two hotels is getting much better. Uh, the goal is for it to be just as seamless, uh, in 2024. So we asked y'all and y'all said, you'd still come and play if it's over at the Hyatt. So come join us stinky historical gamers over there, uh, and, uh, and play our little spaceship game. And then all the civil war guys can yell at us for playing sci-fi in their historical room, whatever. Piss off, eh? <laughs> all right. Uh, events, anything you guys want to see in future events, anything you've played recently, uh, I've realized, Brett, you haven't played recently. But anything you remember from Adepticon that's a, we must do this next year. We got to try this. The cool terrain. Yeah, more terrain. That theme terrain yes. is awesome. We need to crack the code because the terrain from Grimdark is amazing. And it's also an amazing pain in the dick to put together because it comes in like 10,000 pieces. Uh, Wes and I were talking about it out at High Ground Hobby and his, his attitude is the same. He's like, shit, I hate printing it because you print a bazillion pieces you've got to all glue together. You can't just hit print one and have one building pop out. Um, but it's beautiful, and I'd love to see us have more of their terrain uh, on our table. Um, so maybe we'll figure that out, Chris. Maybe we'll live in your freaking garage for a month and 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I like some of the stuff we some of the stuff we saw today. Some of the, the little hex systems with the warhands on it, oh, stuff yeah. like that, as objective markers, and 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 even if it, it, I was looking at it, and and there was there was a guy on one of the forums was like, "Well, it's a good view on a hex." It was like, "Dude, learn mesh mixer. Stop complaining. Stop bitching." I mean, it that takes yeah. get a base yeah. mesh mix. It takes thirty seconds. I mean, learn some skills, dude. But uh, <laughs> it, it, shut if, up, man! If I can't three D print a three D exactly. model over here. <laughs> If somebody That's what I have keeps, you for you and Casey and Steve. <laughs> if if people keep putting that good quality stuff out there, we'll, we'll have some interesting stuff. Um, I've been toying with, and I know I mentioned it to you the other night, and I don't know if we'll pull it off this Adepticon, but I love that mission from the Taros campaign where they're fighting around the giant space elevator. Yeah, and yeah. I've had that going over and over in my head about these two massive arch supports that support this giant space elevator. And being able to fly and fight underneath those and have little platforms on the space elevator that actually have AAA stuff on them instead yeah. of the defense. Oh, yeah. And I think that that, oh, my God, I think we could do it out of foam. There's some ideas there, but I think we could do something that was that was really kind of neat and different with AI, with that, yeah. that, that type of system where you can actually have terrain, you can fly around and through and under. And because th that was, I, they did a really good job in that campaign book of explaining how when the pilots flew up to the space elevator, when they stared at it, they instantly got vertigo because yeah. <laughs> you just can't understand, fathom in the human mind how massive the structure was. So it was, and that just got like got me thinking. That's something I've got to build. We've got to we've got to do something with that. So yeah, I agree. Got to do that because I haven't seen it done. But anyway, I, I think definitely with I'm with Brett 100 percent more terrain. Um, I liked your idea the other night of trying to come up with a modular trend system. Yep. So we're actually playing on a three-dimensional trench. I was looking at what the Battletech guys have for the hex terrain. Oh yeah, and I've, kicking that over in my head. And I'm like, I've looked at some. There's some beautiful stuff out of the UK that's that's so. got some that they do boards um, that all have have hex edge kind of terrain that you could do some some cool stuff with. Um, and all it really would require is to to you know paint it, flock it put some yeah. more detail on it and you could have some really cool trenches. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's, there's some options out there. I just got to figure out how we, uh, yeah. how we get from here to there uh, in there, the time we have. By next year. Yeah. <laughs> of course we're driving. So we know that you and I can take plenty of uh, terrain. I don't know where I'm going to put all the shit that was sitting in the front seat. Cause apparently your ass is going to be in there. I am uh, going to so, be in the front seat. So I guess, so I guess we, that we means I got to put the roof rack back on my wife's SUV and uh, put, put shit up there. So that's <laughs> if we take the pilot, you know, maybe we, Take the, I don't know. Take the ridge line and we put a trailer on it. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll we're going to be out. those nerds. I hear it with my good. trailer. I got lots of terrain, guys. <laughs> where do we yeah, park great. the trailer? Yeah, exactly. Where do we park there. the trailer? You're the dumbass that brought a trailer to a convention. Nice work, dude. Yeah. Yep. So we'll, we'll be those guys. Yeah. Fucking lead pursuit. I hate those guys. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, cool. So anything else AI related? Y'all want to throw out there? Have we beat AI to a bloody pulp? I know all of our historical listeners are right. Would you stop talking about sci-fi? I don't care about 40K. Um, sorry. We love it. We enjoy it. We came to yeah. these games, to historical games, because we were refugees from 30K. So suck it the fuck up and let's do what we want to talk about. <laughs> uh, any party uh, thoughts? All right. No, it's, well, if, I, I, just great ahead. to be back. And I got to say, great to be back. Thank you for inviting me out to high ground. That has been the highlight of the last couple of months living here with nothing but a card table and none of my stuff yet because the military is so damn slow at moving you. Um, <laughs> yes. It has it's, it, been awesome, dude. It's back. great to be back in a community and great to, 
I just hate that it's a 45 to 50 minute drive based on traffic. It's just. We got to convince High Ground to open up the Owens Crossroads store and me and you're going to manage it. That's what's in the future. Russ just doesn't know it. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I'm not going to have a way to pay for my nice house here. That's all right. (laughs) So much for that. Uh, All right. Well, cool. Well, I'd like to remind everyone, uh, please go out there, like, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Go leave us feedback. Send us emails off the the contact form on the website. Get on social media. uh, Laugh at us. Make fun of us. Call us a bunch of idiots. You're not going to hurt our feelings. Uh, To be in in this community, especially between historicals and uh, sci-fi, 40K, 30K, others, other games, you got to have thick skin. So if you don't like something, that's great. Tell us what you don't like. Uh, We might tell you that we're still going to talk about it, uh, like 30K and heresy. Um, But if you are like Chris, you say, hey, man, I want you guys to be a 30K podcast. I'm going to give you the big finger and go, no, I I still play historical games. Tough shit. And you will, too. Whether you realize it or not, you're going to play Blood Red Skies with all of us uh, at Adepticon. I'm going to play Blood Red Skies again. I'm going to play the That's the right answer. Yes, young man. You're going to play Blood Red Skies and you You are going to start playing some heresy with me and you're going to like Yeah, whatever. Fuck no. (laughs) Sorry about that there, heresy mentors behind me. You're still in the cabinet for a year plus. (laughs) All right. Well, like and subscribe to the podcast leave us some feedback let us know and as steve would say keep climbing for advantage 